We're so glad that you're listening to the Branches Podcast. If you're in the Houston area, we'd love to see you in person at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more information, go to brancheshtx.org. We hope this message helps you draw closer to God and that you hear the good news that you belong. Thanks for listening. Friends, we've been in a series called uh, Something's About to Happen, where we've been filled with expectation and excitement for what God might do among us. And we've lit these candles to commemorate these kind of four themes, these four ideas of the gift of Christmas, hope and peace and joy and this morning love to be completed then on Christmas Eve. And we've looked at this um, prophet, this seer, this person that can see the way things ought to be, this vision, this picture that God has given in the person of Isaiah. And he gives this picture today, and it may be familiar to you, that, that really pinpoints what Jesus came to accomplish and who he is and this sign that we see that God has given us in this person that was fulfilled in Jesus. So we're in Isaiah chapter 7, verses 10 through 16, so hear this. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign from the Lord your God. Make it as deep as the grave or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I won't ask. I won't test the Lord. Then Isaiah said, listen, house of David, isn't it enough for you to be tiresome for people that you're also tiresome before my God? Therefore, the Lord will give you a sign. The young woman is pregnant, is about to give birth to a son, and she will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He will eat butter and honey and learn to reject evil and choose good. Before the boy learns to reject evil and choose good, the land of the two kings you dread will be abandoned. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, like I said, uh, we're wrapping up a series called Something's About to Happen. So then on Christmas Eve, we can celebrate together that heaven meets earth in Jesus. And like I said, we've kind of looked at uh, this kind of rhythm of four at these four ideas that every Advent churches around the world gather around these kind of four virtues, you might say, or four truths or four qualities of God that then are embodied in the person of Jesus. And then in Jesus, we find him, uh, find God and find these qualities then to be born in us. And so we long for them. We all want more hope in our lives and we want more hope for our community. We all long for the peace, the reconciliation that God can give in Jesus. We long for uh, then the joy that only comes with knowing who God is in Jesus. And then this morning we long for love in our relationships and then with one another and in ourselves and love that can be, be shared and it transforms. We've all in some measure been transformed by the love of another person. And I saw this week my friend Jacob, who's also a pastor, say that he kind of hates Advent I was like, oh no, heresy, alert, uh, hates Advent. But he says because he only gets a week to talk about each of those things. Of course, you know, he could, he's in charge of his church, he could, you know, spend longer than that leading up to Advent talking about each of these things for maybe two or three Sundays. But it's like, okay, one week on hope, explain hope, define hope, share what hope is. And then the next week, define peace, show what peace means. You got a, you got a week, you got 20 minutes to share what peace is. And then joy, what is joy? And unpack that. And, you know, finally love, which is just full uh, in the scriptures of passages talking about who God is and what his love 
is like. And you can't do it in just a Sunday. And partially because each of these words we kind of use in a variety of different ways. We talked about this this the first week. We didn't have a sermon the first week of Advent. It was me and Pastor Tom talking about what hope meant to us. And even between that conversation, we had like different understandings, multifaceted way of understanding what hope is. And likewise, peace. I mean, we think about like war and peace or peace in your spirit or peace in yourself. And then joy, is it just happiness or this kind of like uh, passing emotion or is it something deeper? And we use joy in a variety of ways. And of course, Love, we use it in a different way. Like, I love my wife, Landon, and I also love tacos, uh, but in a different way, <laughs> you know? Uh, love is multifaceted. And so I wish we could spend more time thinking about love. And so this week, I kind of looked at, like, you know, the variety of definitions that people give for what love is. I thought of, uh, if you are familiar with it, Night at the Roxbury, you know, Will Ferrell and Chris Kattan, like, bobbing their heads to the song, What is Love? You know, Baby, Don't Hurt Me. Uh, and, and, I, and I wondered, you know, if somebody were to ask me, like, elevator pitch, what is love, what would I say? I, of course, went to one of my kind of favorite people, a foundational person to me, Dallas Willard. And he says, love is willing the good of another. That's nice. It's compact. I don't think it's exhaustive, but I think it's a, a good way to think about love. Love is to will the good of another. And then you start to think about it like, okay, love your enemies. Will the good of your enemies. That tells you how radical Jesus' call was. Will the good of your enemies. Or to love one another. As you know, we look at John 15, where the word branches comes from, that we do this so we love one another. We will the good of one another. We're called to love. We're called to love our city, to will the good of our city. We're called to, called to love our children and our families and our parents. We will the good of them. We seek to will the good of another. I think that's nice. And I hate to say this, but he's deceased, so he can't respond. Um, that I don't think it's complete. I don't think it's a complete definition of what the Bible means when it says love. I saw this this week, Bell Hooks, a kind of activist writer. Uh, she wrote this about love. I thought it was really compelling. She says, everywhere we learn that love is important, and yet we are bombarded by its failure. In the realm of the political, among the religious, and our families, and our romantic lives, we see little indication that love informs decisions, strengthens our understanding of community, or keeps us together. This bleak picture in no way alters the nature of our longing. We still hope that love will prevail. We still believe in love's promise. You know, even from like a, a, a non-Christian perspective, this kind of idea that like, yeah, we all long for love, to be loved, to love one another, to experience love, especially in its absence. Everywhere we learn that love is important, and yet we are bombarded by its failure. We're bombarded by the ways that other people fail to love us and the ways that we fail to love someone else. I think that, that adds another facet of what it means to love. It has kind of somewhat to do with peace, what we talked about two weeks ago, of reconciliation. A, a definition of love that's really, really stuck with me was not from Dallas Willard and not from the Bible and not from a great mind like somebody like Bell Hooks, but from a movie that came out a few years ago called Lady Bird. Have you guys seen Lady Bird? Saoirse Ronan, she's an Irish actress. Greta Gerwig is the director. Really beautiful movie. And in it, um, that's her, 
she goes by the name Ladybird, and she insists that everyone calls her that. She's kind of, I resonate with her. She's like, wants to be super unique and stand alone, and everybody like think that she's really unique and cool. Uh, and she dyes her hair different colors, and the movie's really great. It's got like a coming-of-age story, so I'm a sucker for that kind of story. And she, uh, you know, falls in love and falls out of love with boys in high school. And she lives in Sacramento, and she hates it. <laughs> and she and her mom have like this weird, tender but also combative relationship. And she wants nothing more than to graduate from high school and to move to New York and leave Sacramento behind. It's a really wonderful movie. I encourage you uh, to see it. One of the, the last scenes in the movie, I, I think about it a lot, it really moved me. She's written these college essays that you do when you're trying to leave school uh, and go somewhere else and apply to a college. And she meets with um, one of the administrators of her school. She goes to a Catholic school, and it's a nun. And so they're meeting together, and the nun, she's really tender and kind and gentle, a really beautiful performance. Uh, she says, I read your college essay. Uh, you really love Sacramento. Which is funny in the moment, because like the whole movie is spent Lady Bird saying, like, I hate Sacramento, you know? And she's like, do I? And then it says, you describe it so compassionately and so warmly. And Lady Bird's like, I'm just describing it. And she's like, yeah, yeah, like, you, you love it. She's like, no, I'm just, I'm just paying attention. And then Un says, aren't they the same thing? Love and paying attention? And that's, that's really stuck with me, <laughs> that love is paying attention. Think about that for a moment. Love is paying attention. Love is being aware of another. And not just mildly aware of like their physical presence and proximity, but aware of them like as a person. Love and attention, aren't they the same thing? Let's try something. Like, as you do when you learn, like, a new definition of a word or you learn a new word totally, like, you, you, you get one of those, like, peel-off calendars. Maybe you'll get one for 2023. It's, like, a new word a day, and you get the word, and you use it in a sentence, like, ten times that day to try it on. Let's try on love as attention, uh, maybe in the Bible. We do this in a spelling bee, too. Like, I'll never forget. Pope County Spelling Bee, 2002. Forrester. I put two R's in it, like an idiot. <laughs> but I tried it on. Can you give me the definition? Can you use it in a sentence? Still got it wrong. I'll never forget it. Uh, let's try on, let's forget my own woes about losing a small spelling bee and think about how we can use love as attention. Let's use, let's use the Bible, maybe some familiar passages for you. John 3:16. for God so loved the world. Think about it for a second. For God was so attentive to the world. He paid attention to the world that he gave us Jesus. That changes how we see it a little bit. Or you think about the, the Exodus story. We hear in Exodus, like, I've listened, and you've cried out to me all day long, and we get this proclamation in Exodus that God is compassionate and merciful and full of steadfast love. God is compassionate and merciful and full of steadfast attention. God pays attention to the suffering and oppression of others. Changes how we see that story a little bit. Or during Lent, we often read this psalm, Psalm 51, Psalm of David, and David is really messed up. And he says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your love. That is, according to your attention on me. Which, again, it's a beautiful kind of good news. God pays attention to me, so therefore he can forgive me, but also, like, God sees me. Like, really, fully, completely, <laughs> 
seize me. Have mercy on me for everything that I've done because you've paid attention. Or let's think about weddings that we go to. Love is patient. Love is kind. Attention to another is patient. (laughs) You pay attention to them in a patient way. Don't like, okay, I'll just give you a couple of seconds. Okay, I know everything I can know about you. (laughs) And it's also kind. Like you pay attention to somebody and you, you give them the benefit of the doubt. You assume that they're doing the best that they can. I like trying on this definition of love. I think it adds to, you know, maybe kind of the surface level, superficial idea that we have of love in our world today, that love is just basic desire and affection, but it's also attention because it calls us to something more. It calls us to more than just saying, yeah, we love everybody. We, we, we want to love everyone. We want to love everyone we encounter. That's much different. It's just like, yeah, I have a kind of warm feeling, Christmassy feeling toward people that I meet. <laughs> but also I pay attention to them. I learn their name, a little bit about their story. Uh, I look at them, look them in the eye. I stand near them. I notice, I pay attention when they're not around. <laughs> their absence changes me too. Love is paying attention, and, 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 and that's what I love about the, the Christmas story, and what we, this picture we get in Isaiah of this woman is pregnant, she's going to have a son, and, and, and his name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. You can't pay attention to someone you're not around. <laughs> you can't pay attention to someone you've never met. You can't pay attention to someone who's not in your general proximity that you can't draw close to, and God, in his attentiveness, that is in his love, came to be with us in Jesus. That was like the maximum amount of paying attention that God could do. God, other than we are, came to be with us, to pay attention to us, not just by looking at us, but taking on a human body. Being tempted and harmed and hurt in every way that we are, that's attention. (laughs) I know how you feel. In Philippians, we hear that he he had the form of God, he, he existed in the very form of God, but he made himself nothing. He paid attention to our reality, this felt need. Of course, I turned to Dallas Willard, and then I turned to Bell Hooks, and then I thought about a movie that I enjoyed, but also uh, I turned again to Brene Brown. (laughs) Uh, Hey, girl. (laughs) If you're watching, (laughs) I love your stuff. That's great. And she taught us a little bit, hey girl, why did I say that? Uh, She helped us understand what joy and happiness are. Uh, She's like, has a PhD. You deserve more respect than that, Brene Brown. Uh, (laughs) She also teaches us what it means to love. It's more than just affection. She says there's kind of four elements to love. Desire, a bond, intimacy, and commitment. And when I read those four things, I think about who Jesus is. He desires to be with us didn't just happen to take on human flesh, but desired to do so. And is bonded to us. We belong to one another. And there's this intimate relationship that we share with God and the intimacy of like, oh, God isn't just other than we are anymore, but was a baby like we were and grew up and got dirty and had arguments and had friends and had grief and he cried and he hurt. That's intimacy. And then also that steadfast love we read about in the Old Testament, that's commitment he was committed to us. That's love. I think one of, the, of those four things, that, that, that love is the hardest to describe, 
with the help of Brene Brown or Bell Hooks or Dallas Willard or of Lady Bird, all helpful. But I think love is the hardest to describe because love for any of us is never abstract. We never talk about love conceptually. At least for me, love is always connected to another. That when I think about love, I don't just think about the idea of love. I'm like, oh, that seems nice. But if I assign a name to love, I think Landon, Montgomery, it's my dog. (laughs) I think Hudson and Molly and Grace, my nieces and nephews. I think mom and dad. I think Jillian and Caitlin, my sisters. I think B and Poppy and grandma and grandpa. I think of my coworkers. I think of Paul and Karen, my friends. I think of Schuler and Chris and Justin and Parker, my pastor friends. <laughs> Love is never abstract, it's concrete. And that's what Christmas means. <laughs> That God didn't say, I love you in the abstract. God said, I love you as a person and became one. Again, fulfilled this promise that we hear in the Old Testament. I will be your God. You will be my people. I will walk among you. And those first steps taken were taken in a baby's body. (laughs) I love you. Love is concrete, not abstract. And for us, it lands at branches in a very concrete way in one of our core values, belonging. Again, it's not fitting in. Fitting in is assessing the situation. I want to be there, but I'm going to change so I can show up. And they don't really care one way or another. Belonging is you show up and you are welcomed and we care about who you are as you are belonging. We begin and end with that. Not because it sounds nice, because it's the call of the incarnation. It's the call of love. It's the call of following Jesus ultimately because the ultimate end of following Jesus is becoming a person of love. It's becoming who Jesus was in and of himself by day in, day out, training and practice and longing and transformation that we can't do on our own. Love is hard to define because it's, it's, it's not abstract, it's concrete, it's connected with something else. And for us, if we follow Jesus, it's connected to him And also, likewise, the lofty thing is it's connected to every person we encounter. That God belongs to us and we belong to God. That God made himself belong to us and that transforms the way we see the world. That transforms the way that we read scripture when it says God with us, we really mean it. Because God pays attention, longs to see you, longs to be with you, is watching us even now, not in a surveillance state kind of way, but in an apple of my eye, warmth, kind, loving way, God sees you, is paying attention to you, and longs to be with you. And likewise, pushes us out in the world to tell that good news of who that God is to everyone we meet by our deeds, by our words, by who we are, by our character. The end is to become a person of love. The end is to pay attention to one another. The end is to pay attention to the community around us and look at our world with Jesus' eyes, which are eyes of unbreakable, unchanging, unbounded love. It's higher than we can even imagine. But if it's rooted in this concrete person, and if it's then rooted in you and your practice and the way that you live your life, It changes things. It makes you pay attention.
So let's pay attention this week, friends, especially as we go into Christmas. We have a lot of opportunity to see people around us and invite them to branches or invite them into your home or invite them to dinner, invite them to a conversation, invite them into your circle and just let them know, I see you. I'm paying attention to you. I hear your hurt. I hear your longing. I hear who you are and I see it and I love it because God does. That's good news for me and for you. Let's live into it. Let's pray. Almighty God, help us see that you see us, that your love for us isn't abstract, it's concrete, that it came to us in Jesus, that you see us even now, that you're drawing us to yourself and you're drawing everyone around us to you. Help us be people of love. Help us set aside the things that are in the way of us being people of love. Help us love even the people that are hard to love. Help us pay attention. Help us see. We ask that as we come to this table, it would remind us of your presence with us. We ask that as we sing together, you would draw near to us and warm our hearts and fill us with your love so much that we're so full of your love, it's the only thing that comes out of who we are, what we say, what we do, what we share especially as we make our way to Christmas Eve this coming weekend. Help us be people that invite in the name of love. We ask all of this in the name of your Son, love embodied, Jesus Christ.